Hello, and welcome to This is the Greatest Song I've Ever Heard in My Entire Life. I'm Scott Interante, and joining me today is singer, songwriter, artist, Mitski. Mitski, thank you so much for coming and talking to me. Of course. It's my pleasure. It's good to talk to you, Scott. Yeah, it's, it's, um, we go way back if people don't know. And, and I'm very grateful for you coming on and talking to me for this podcast. Oh, please. It's fine. Um, <laughs> last, last time, last time we saw each other, I think we went to see Aladdin. That, the live action. <laughs> that's true. And you know what? Actually, maybe that's a great place to start because we did see the live action Aladdin together and, I didn't know this about you until that day, but you said that you were a big Alan Menken and Howard Ashman fan and that you love those songs. And maybe that's a good place to start, as this is a podcast about the songs that we love and what we love about them. Was that something that like came early on in your life? Yeah, I love Alan Menken. Oh, my goodness. I, I don't really know what it is. Something about music spoke to me. It gave me an outlet. I love stories and I think more than anything, I love bite-sized stories that Im immediately evoke images in your brain mm -hmm. and give you feelings. I think the thing about music that's unique is that it doesn't need words. I don't know. I'm not articulating correctly why music is good. <laughs> well, you know, just more generally, maybe we can take a step back and see if it leads us back to Alan Menken. You know, what I'm trying to do with this podcast is get to the reasons why we hear certain songs and they make us scream, you know, this is the greatest song I've ever heard in my entire life. You know, I'm a musician as well, and there are certain songs that I listen to, you know, by artists like ABBA or the Cardigans or the Beach Boys that just make me feel like, oh my God, like, why would I, why would anyone ever try to make music again? Like, they've done it as well as it can be done. Uh, do you ever get that sort of competitive attitude? Or, or maybe you hear those things and you're just inspired and you say, I want to do that. I need to do that. I don't really get that competitive spirit. I already know I'm not doing anything new. It's more just like I feel the need to make music and it's the thing that makes me happy. It's the thing that makes me feel like I'm part of something bigger than myself. In my day to day, I, f I just feel insignificant. And when I make music, I am still insignificant, but I, st I feel like a tiny insignificant part of something bigger. Or when I play shows, it's like suddenly I start to believe in some sort of maybe higher power. I'm not religious, but something more than just day to day. You know, it it transports you, It it or at least it transports me. It makes me feel like there's meaning and there's purpose and there's something greater. So that's what I think that's right. what I love about music. It it takes me out of the mundane awkwardness of life. Yeah. And do you feel that way? Obviously, you were sort of just talking about like performing music or writing your own music. Do you feel that way when you listen to other people's music? Yeah. I mean, I'm a music fan, number one. You know, when I started making music, it more came out of a sort of selfish need for validation. It was this thing that I could do when I didn't feel like I could do anything else. Mm -hmm. But I was good at one, this one thing. Like, I, I don't know, I joined choirs as like a middle schooler. And then I, I remember in seventh grade, I auditioned for like a two second solo part in the, in the choir song. The audition was in front of everybody. And when I did my part, Everybody turned around and looked at me and I was like, oh, <laughs> maybe, maybe I can do this. You know, maybe this is something I'm good at. I think that's where it started. That's where my interest started, where it was this thing that I felt 
I had a doorway into or that I could tap into that maybe not anyone else could do. And of course, now I know that's not true. Many other people do it much better than me, but that was my in, at least. Do you at all remember what that song was? Um, It was this gospel song. I don't know the title. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, I was always I was always in alto. And so all my my like memories of song melodies are like the alto <laughs> melody. So right, right, in, right. In, in my mind, it goes, I just want to thank you. I, I just want to thank you. Thank you for being so good, which is such an alto part. So I don't actually <laughs> know. I don't know what the main melody is anymore. I right. just know the alto part. But those are the lyrics, if that's helpful, if anyone wants to look it up. <laughs> yeah, that's that's great. So, yeah, I mean, when you were around that age or, or even younger, do you have any sort of like specific memory of listening to music where you felt for the first time like, oh, I really connect to this or this feels like this was made for me or this is my thing? Well, this is a good segue because my first favorite artist was Mariah Carey. Okay. First of all, her melodies are so good. Her music is so pleasing, even to a child's ears. Like, it's just good music, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. but also in many people's opinion. Yeah, I don't think you'll get Um, a lot of pushback (laughs) on that one. But more than anything, I just couldn't believe what she was doing with her voice. I had never heard Mm -hmm. anything like it. It was just awe-inspiring. Again, it's that thing where I felt like maybe there's something more. Maybe there's something bigger than just like my tiny little ordinary life because She's doing crazy things with her voice, you know? Right. Before that, it was Spice Girls. But truth be told, I just liked Spice Girls at the time because this neighbor girl that I was hanging out with was really into Spice Girls. And mm-hmm. I felt like it it was like the thing I had to... Right. I had to keep up with. Right. Well, that's what's interesting, right? I mean, so much of what we do at that age, you know, the way we dress, the kind of music we listen to is in the context of wanting to fit in with a certain kind of people and do what they do. And then there's that moment you have where you hear something like a Mariah Carey or or whatever it is for you that makes you say, oh, no, 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 this is who I really am. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, too, because, you know, I, I don't think that Mariah Carey is the first thing that comes to mind when people... People hear your music, you know, and uh, of course we could spend a whole hour on your musical journey from singing in that choir to eventually saying, no, I'm an artist. I'm writing my own songs. I need to release them. But were there other sort of big touchstones that got you from that point A to where you are now? Yeah, I think it was just a gradual transition. I didn't really start writing music until my late teens. At first, I basically only listened to pop music. Mariah Carey, Britney Spears, Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, Christina Aguilera, you name it. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of Disney club people and a lot of Disney songs too. Just just traditional pop songs. Right. But then when I tried to sing them or when I tried to, I don't know, do something like what the pop stars were doing, it just didn't seem to work. <laughs> it didn't It didn't seem to match up with what I was doing. Um, and I think that's a big reason why it took me a while to actually start writing my own music because I just assumed it was something I couldn't do. And it was mm-hmm. just something I enjoyed, but it didn't connect with me. And then I think I 
listen to, and I know you won't hear this in my music either, but I came upon MIA mm-hmm. and she was just doing something totally different from everybody else. It's it, like she was so free and listening to her music made me think, oh, maybe I can just do what I want. And it's so, so right. I was inspired by her not to try to make music like her, but just in the ethos of it all. Like, oh, actually, none of what anyone did before me matters. I just need to find what I'm good at and do that. Right. And then there was Bjork, who at first terrified me because it's just too much tiny little sounds. (laughs) It's just too much ting, 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 instead of just like full chords. But anyway, but I came back around to her around like late high school, early college. And then of course, a big formative piece for my high school years was Rite of Spring by Stravinsky. That was another thing Mm -hmm. that was like, oh, you can do anything. It doesn't have to be these pop songs. So I don't know if you can hear these people's influence in my music, but I think I'm more influenced by ethos than anything else. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Okay, so now we can take a step back and say, Mitski, what is the song that makes you scream, this is the greatest song I've ever heard in my entire life? I'm so glad you asked, Scott. It is Always Be My Baby by Mariah Carey. Such a good pick. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> I didn't write it. I, I was almost going to choose Fantasy, which is the one with Old Dirty Bastard, mm-hmm. and from the same album Daydream, because I think Fantasy is more historically important, but the reality is that Always Be My Baby is closer to my heart because it was like my song in middle yeah, school. Totally. I, I yeah, I personally agree. This is my favorite of hers, and, and maybe it's because it's the most poppy, it's the most straightforward pop song of this era of hers. And and of course, all of her songs are so catchy and great, but this is just maybe the most, um, I don't want to say simple because it's not, it's just, uh, it's so good. It's so good. It like, you can really learn everything you need to know about pop songwriting from this song. It's like a very classic pop song form. Like I think it's verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, chorus. Mm -hmm. This having a modulation is the reason I have so many modulations in my songs because I'm just trying to emulate the feeling of the modulation in this song. Yeah, I I love the key change in this song because it comes... This is like, it's a pretty mid-tempo song. It's not like crazy upbeat or fast. So by the time we get past that bridge and we're going into the key change, the song has been going on for kind of a while, right? Like, and you sort of feel like, oh, I've had a complete story here. I get it. It's catchy. It's great. She sounds great. The interplay with the background vocals and the melody, it's its all so good. And then you get a key change and it's like this bonus, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, I've already had enough song, but now I get even more in a higher key. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's so good. Also... It comes very importantly, like immediately after the bridge. So the bridge is like this transitional doorway into the modulation. This like you open a door and it's like, oh, 
and then there's a modulation. <laughs> it's I love the modulation so much that I even like the modulation is led by the lead vocal that goes ah, and then for that I always when I'm doing karaoke of course cuz it's my karaoke song as well. Of course. Um I say modulation. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that's perfect. Uh, And this song is really important to me because it's basically the song that helped me learn how to sing, or at least I practiced every single vocal run in this song because I mm -hmm. wanted to sing like Mariah Carey so bad. And I can't, but it was like this practice tool for me. And to this day, I can still I can still sing every vocal run in this song specifically. I can't really do vocal runs in general, but this one, because I practice so hard, I can do. Yeah, I love that. This is such a great pick. Such a good song. I believe this is her 11th number one single. And, you know, something I've been thinking about lately, we as a society have sort of put Mariah Carey like in this Christmas box, pun intended, um, because of All I Want for Christmas is You, which is a phenomenal song and like no diss to it. It's mm-hmm. one of the best songs ever recorded. But she has so many other great songs like this. And I think we kind of forget it and we really should not forget it. Yeah. I mean, and people, a lot of people still don't know that she wrote her own music. Mm-hmm. That's why she is so rich because she has <laughs> most of the publishing. <laughs> right. She was really an innovator, like with the album that the song is on, Daydream, Mm -hmm. was this pivotal album because it brought R&B and hip hop to the mainstream. Like it was the song Fantasy I mentioned before. It wasn't the first song to have a rapper on it, but it brought it popularized rap as a feature act in a pop song. Right. Before this album, she was kind of boxed into this pop world and she didn't have as much control. And then this this album was when she decided to bring R&B and hip-hop into the mainstream. And then now, like, we are in a world where R&B and hip-hop is the mainstream, you know? Right. And then another thing, I love this song so much that I know a lot about it. She does this thing called double voice that, again, I don't know if she invented it, but she popularized it or brought it into like mainstream pop, which is that she doubles an octave lower. Mm -hmm. So she belts like the lead vocal. And then in the background, she doubles background vocals an octave lower. Right. Boy, don't you know you can't escape me? Ooh, darling, cause you'll always be my baby. And she's able to do that because she has a huge range. Right. But before that, it wasn't really a thing. Yeah, and now you see that so much with all the pop vocals are so layered and, and octaved and doubled and mm-hmm. to give it like that really thick sound. Yeah. Mm-hmm. God, it's so good. And the music video's good. <laughs> Swinging on that that swing over the lake. And yeah. Yeah. I really used to think that I really thought that summer camp was supposed to be like that. Like <laughs> a, a nice kid was going to sneak into my room and take me by the hand and we would go go out and explore the lake at nighttime. It, yeah. No, that never happened. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. But, yeah. <laughs> well, 
thank you so much for coming on and for picking this song and talking to me about it. You just released an album. It's called Laurel Hell. I'm sure everyone who's listening to this knows that and they are already listening to it. But if they're not, as soon as this episode is done, go listen to that and enjoy it and listen to all the other albums. Do you have anything else you would like to plug or tell people where to find you? Um, yeah. If you type in M-I-T-S-K-I into Google, I'll definitely show up and you can click any of those links. Wow. Any of them. That's, any, that's showing well, a lot of trust <laughs> in Google results. I can't believe it's my time already. I feel like I just only just started talking to you. Well, thank you for having me on. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was great catching up with you. Thank you for listening to another episode of This is the Greatest Song I've Ever Heard in My Entire Life. If you want more discussion of Mitski, check out our feed and look for the bonus episode where I talk to producer Scott Moriarty about the 10-year anniversary of her debut album, Lush, and our experiences working on that album. You can follow me on Twitter at Interante Scott. That's I-N-T-E-R-R-A-N-T-E. You can follow the show on Instagram or Twitter at Great Song Pod. That's Great G-R number eight. And if you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much, and I look forward to talking to you next time. Okay, um... Bye, I guess. <laughs>